Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Ty Lord Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up on today's show, we're going to take time to remember Chaz Glace, a longtime sponsor of David's throughout his NASCAR career. Plus, we'll get to everybody's favorite segments. Ask David as well as a NASCAR news and notes and more on today's show. David joins us right now. David, appreciate the time as always. What's going on, man? Man, happy new year to you guys, dude. It's 2021, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, happy new year to y'all and uh, and uh, glad glad to see you guys. And uh, man, let's talk some racing, absolutely. No doubt about it. Dominic Aragon from the RacingExperts.com is also here with us. As always, Dom, happy new year to you. What's going on, man? Happy new year to you guys, too. What a start to the year for sure. And six episodes in, we're having a lot of fun with all this. I can't believe we're six episodes in this, this time's really flying, but happy to be here. And I got to ask you guys right off the bat, what are some goals and new year's resolutions y'all have? Go ahead, David. Man, I, I have lots, man. To, uh, you know, uh, First of all, just for, uh, you know, my, my, my kids and my wife and my mom and dad, my family, our families to be uh, healthy and safe and uh, prosperous. And, uh, you know, just like our you guys and y'all's families and all the race fans. And, uh, man, I, uh, I just wish for the best for everyone. You know what I mean? And uh, 2020 was such a challenging, challenging year for the world and uh especially for our country and just hope you know uh for the ones all of us have, have, have been faced major challenges and uh more so other people but i just hope we can uh we can all find a happy place we're all healthy and uh we all prosper and then we're happy for uh, 2021 live long and prosper each other what are some goals resolutions you got well, uh, Dom, I'm not a resolutions guy. I don't like doing that myself, but I'll make an exception <laughs> for this podcast. I uh, just started a new job this week with a great television in uh, Omaha for their new national news network, uh, Local News Live, which launches January 20th. Going to be available on uh, Apple TV and Roku and Amazon Fire Stick TV and such. And so that's really my focus is just getting this network launched and get off to a good start to 2021. I'm actually living out of a hotel for a few days just because uh, I try to get up here as quick as I can to get settled and everything, but certainly glad to call Omaha home uh, for the foreseeable future. So a good start to 2020 for me with a new job and everything, Don. Absolutely. Yeah. And I guess just for me, I've, try to set some daily and some lofty goals for 2021 and just some things like personally for me, I, and they always say too, right. Tell people your goals and your resolutions or whatever you're trying to accomplish, because then more people can hold you accountable and you're more likely to do it. Like, so like for me, praying the rosary every day, something I'm really trying to get back into doing, drinking a gallon of water every day. And then just like even things on the professional side, hitting the gym more with Martin, my brother, who you guys got to meet a couple of weeks ago on the show. And also, just trying to live healthier and be healthier. And, and I'm not quite ready to announce yet, but working on a really cool project. And I'm hoping we can really announce that before the end of the year and, and be ready to roll with that. Yeah. Well, dude, we're, uh, excited. we're excited to hear the, the big news. You know, always excited to hear somebody's news. And uh, man, I'm kind of like you, Dominic. I, uh, you know, I try to drink as much water as I can. I, I, I work out, you know, a lot of people that know me know my 
routine, my routine, routine of working out what I do, but man, just trying to, trying to keep your body healthy. And, uh, you know, if you're feeling good, your body's healthy, it feels good. You're going to be happier and you're, you know, and really, uh, our schedule and, and the racing business and what we do, man, if you're, if you're serious about what you do, you got to take care of your body. You know what I mean? So, uh, uh, so yeah, absolutely. But, uh, but man, I'm, uh, I'm just excited. It seems like 2021 has gotten kicked off so far. It's fairly new and, uh, and everybody's got good attitudes and, uh, looking forward to a good year. Well, if, uh, you look good and feel good, you'll race good. That's, uh, that's how it goes. So, I like the way you think there, Tyler. Yeah, absolutely, man. <laughs> yeah, and uh, announcements and everything. Uh, we're, we're waiting on David for your plans for 2021. When those are ready, we'll have those on this show. And before we go any further, too, I want to remind the folks out there to subscribe to Let's Go Racing with David Starr. New episodes out each week. A little bit delayed this week, but most of the time we're going to be out on Tuesdays. Uh, so be sure to uh, check that out on Apple, Spotify, Google Play. Live as a five-star review. Also on uh, YouTube as well for the video version. We'd certainly appreciate that if you liked and subscribed to Let's Go Racing. And, uh, David, yesterday was a big day for uh, the Star family. Uh, tell us about the uh, big accomplishments <laughs> of sorts uh, for you guys. Man, you know, yesterday, uh, January the 5th was my, uh, my mom's birthday and, uh, she turned 80 and man, what a, you know, like y'all's moms and all the moms out there, man, just, uh, God, what a, what a wonderful lady. And, and what a, you know, we all love our moms and, uh, man, they just, she just been a, the rock for our family and, uh, man, just, uh, growing up and having a loving, loving parents and, uh, man, my, you know, that's just cool to celebrate my mom's 80th birthday. And, uh, man, she just, uh, man, I could, I could have a whole podcast on, uh, life lessons and sacrifices and what, what, what our parents do for us. You know what I mean? They just, uh, a lot of sacrifices and, uh, man, it's just cool that, uh, that we can celebrate my mom's birthday and we did celebrate it. And, uh, man, you know, uh, one of the cool thing is me and Kim got married on my mom's birthday, January the 5th. And, uh, that was awesome. This is our 13th year, uh, 13th anniversary. And, uh, you know, so we get to get to celebrate our anniversary and my mom's birthday on the same day was, was pretty special, you know, and, uh, uh, uh I can assure you that huh, it was a busy day. You know, we were talking about different announcements and waiting on Dominic to announce his news sometime this year. And, uh, man, I, I, I can assure you, Yesterday was a great day and celebrate, uh, you know, the, the, my, my mom's birthday and, and our anniversary. I, uh, I had some great meetings yesterday, sponsor meetings and, uh, just working really just, just hard 24 seven, trying to get everything put together. So, so we can have some news and we can know what the 2021 NASCAR season is going to look like for us, but, uh, we're just not complete. Uh, that's not completely done yet. And uh, man, I'll be so, so excited when we can finally do that. But, uh, but man, what a, yesterday was a great day, you know, and every day is a great day, but it's kind of cool to, to celebrate my anniversary and absolutely, and, and my mom's birthday on the same day. It was pretty special. So I got to ask you, David, when you go back 13 years ago, did you intentionally get married on your mom's birthday or was that by coincidence? <laughs> No, we, we did, you know what I mean? Uh, we, we did. It was just, uh, 
you know, once you get engaged and you're looking for that special day, you know, and it was actually Kim that said, hey, let's be kind of cool to get married on your mom's birthday. And I said, man, absolutely. You know, and uh, so we we did that on purpose. That was planned. And it all it all it was Kim's idea, which I thought it was wonderful. And, uh, you know, and and, uh, you know, I, I uh, as much as I love my family, we have a big family, you know, and uh, I'm not the best at keeping up with uh, even my own mother and my dad and, you know, my brothers and sister, you know, I'm not real good with birthday dates. You know what I mean? Right. So uh, one of the ones I won't ever forget is uh, my wedding anniversary and and my mom's birthday. All it it helps me. But, uh, but anyway, that was, that was definitely planned. That's awesome. Definitely special days. You will never forget. (laughs) And absolutely. And some of the other stuff we want to talk about too, Dave, we've talked about on the show, we're, we're going to laugh, we're going to cry, we're going to talk about everything when it comes to life. T- tell us a little bit about your friend, Chaz Glace. I, I know he passed away a few days ago. I know he's been somebody that's been really influential in your life. Go ahead and tell us a little about who he is or who he was and, and, um, and how you guys got started together. Man, Chaz Glace, wow, you know, just, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm smiling and you know, it's brings joy to me, you know, us, you know, it's like, man, you know, wow, just, uh, where do you start? But man, what a, what a wonderful man. And, uh, you know, always, uh, you know, it's like, man, it's interesting that God brings people together and, you know, and how, just how things happen, you know what I mean? But, you know, Chaz Glace was very, uh, just a, a wonderful friend, a wonderful man, and just somebody that was really special to me. But I met Chaz, uh, the year that the Texas Motor Speedway opened, uh, he had a suite there and, uh, man, I, I, just, I don't even know why, but I met, uh, his son, Tony, Tony Glace in the hallway and, uh, you know, introduced myself and, uh, man, Tony was gracious enough to invite me into their suite. Uh, Chasco had a, a suite where they brought their customers and employees and brought them to the race. And, uh, you know, I think that was the first race there at the speedway. And, uh, and man, when they introduced me to Chaz and Tony's and, uh, Tony's brother and Chaz's other son, Chuck, man, it was just like, man, they just, they took me in like I was family, you know, didn't realize that at the time. And, and that happened over time, but, you know, I, I told them I, that I had raced, uh, that I was, uh, you know, uh, NASCAR, Camping World Truck Series race car driver, and uh, you know, and uh, they they asked a lot of questions, and I got to know them. And man, it wasn't too long after that, man. We had a chat, we had our Chasco truck, and that was that was pretty special. And uh, you know, looking back on it, uh, you know, uh, he uh, <clears throat> back 1999, 98, first time that he sponsored us. I was driving the truck, the number three truck. Uh, for my uncle Mike, he had said he had came to me and he said, "Hey man, let's uh, let's buy a truck." And uh, and he's and uh, he bought a race engine. We had one truck, one race engine, and we ran those five races. And and uh, and again, we won three or four of them. Uh, definitely the two Texas races we led and, and ran up front the whole time. And every time we made a pit stop, we would fall from. Uh, you know, from leading or running second all the way back to 20th or 19th. And, uh, you know, the guys that were, uh, the guys that worked at our racing school and our instructors were the pit crew, you know what I mean? Uh, but, uh, but anyway, the number three truck was, uh, was sponsored by Chasco, uh, for majority of the, those races. 
And man, really, that's that's really what caught the eye of uh, Wayne Spears and how he's got my my kind of my my steady you know job in the NASCAR Camper World Truck Series. Uh, 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 that's 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 just how it turned out. You know what I mean? And if it wasn't for Chaz that stepped up and sponsored us, then I might not have had the career I had. You know, he's been a major part of it. But man, what a what a wonderful guy. He's just got such a great story. And, and uh, man, he passed away uh, at his home in Round Rock, Texas, at his beautiful ranch. And, uh, and, and uh, man, he just, he just has a great story. Uh, the American dream process, you know, what, what we all live for is to work hard and, and prosper and, and open up our own business. And uh, he just, he just did it right, man. You know, he was just a wonderful man. Uh, David, what were some of your just, favorite personal memories of Chaz and uh, the times that you guys had together over the years? Man, it's just, God, there's been so many. And, and uh, man, he was just, God, he was, he was just one of those, uh, you know, he was such a, uh, uh, just a very large personality, just very, uh, you know, just a, a tough man, but uh, a fair man. And he loved people, you know, and, and, uh, you know, he, uh, when he came to the, when I first met him, he had a suite there at the Texas Motor Speedway, but inside the racetrack, uh, Chaz had always had the best of everything, you know, his motor homes, his houses, just how that guy lived and the way he ran his business. He was just first class, you know, he did everything right, you know, and, uh, and when I met him in their suite, they said, Hey, come down to the infield. We got a campsite. And, uh, then I think they probably had seven or eight motor homes and Chad had this big Taj Mahal bus motor home. It was like, it was impressive, but they had a cooker there and uh, you know, they cooked for everybody, everybody that was in the suite after the race was over, they went down to the campsite and man, Chaz, uh, he had a cooker and, and, you know, and Eric Stanley, just all the different people that, worked for Chasco and was affiliated with them was doing something and man, they, they fed everybody and, and man, it was just one big family and uh, golly, just, uh, you know, he loved watching his family, his employees and, and his friends have a good time, you know, and, and over the years, you know, that was when the racetrack opened, you know, you talk about 25 years later, you know, every every race, uh, there are two or three races, IndyCar race, the NASCAR races, the IndyCars were in conjunction with the truck series. And then they would bring the Xfinity series and the Cup series. Uh, uh, they had other two dates. And you know, it's really, really three major races there. But every time Chaz would come to the racetrack, uh, you know, his camping spot got so popular. He brought so many people and exposed them to our sport. And, and again, his customers, his employees, his family, and man, the the the, the I, we we the, the campsite became the Chasco compound, you know, and all the different racing teams that I raced for, the the crew members, everybody couldn't wait to come to Texas. Even the drivers said, "Man, they can't wait to come to Texas. They want to come eat over at the Chasco compound, you know, because Chas cooks steaks." And, I mean, I mean, you're talking about hundreds of flamingons and just shrimp and man, just went all out, you know, and anything, any beverage or anything, you know, any kind of beer or soft drink, he had it for everybody, you know, everybody was welcome, but just a very given and he loved, he was so passionate about NASCAR racing, he loved it, you know what I mean, and uh, 
God, it was just uh, man, what a what a just what a wonderful guy. And you know, when you first meet the family, the Chuck and Tony, and you meet Chaz, uh, you know, you you learn, you know, it's all about racing and them sponsoring you and putting their company name on the race car and employees and customers love it. And, you know, that, that was just so much fun and cool. And Chaz always wanted to, to have the Chasco name on my race cars. He was there from the start, you know, even when I didn't have to, you know, in a time of NASCAR racing where I was a hired driver, I was going to be racing anyway. He wanted to put his name on, on the, my trucks and the cars I were racing. And we did. And uh, he loved it. He loved every minute of it. But man, as time went on, you know, you understood, <clears throat> you know, you learn about, you learn about the family and learn about Chaz himself, man. But man, that guy was, uh, he was a rock, man. He wore a big cowboy hat, big black cowboy hat, and, man, his starch wranglers. And man, he loved his boots. He was always wearing some kind of exotic uh, black pair of boots, you know, the you know, uh, you know, snake skin or alligator. He had the best of everything, but man, what a, his white shirts, but man, he was just, uh, he was from New York and he moved to Ohio, spent a lot of time in Ohio and he, and he made his way uh, down to uh, Austin, Texas, Round Rock, Texas, just north of Austin, uh, you know, back in the, in the middle 70s, you know, and I remember him telling me, I said, man, how'd you, how'd you make it to Texas? He was working for a construction company running these job sites. And they had a big job there in Round Rock or somewhere in Austin. And uh, he loved the area. He loved Texas. And uh, man, I don't even think he ever moved back. He stayed and he said, and he opened up Chasco and man, he started with four guys. And uh, man, I, I think he told me, he said, man, I think, it, I think Chaz, if I remember right, said that $600 to his name. And man, what a what a company he built! You know what a company he built. When you're in Austin, or Round Rock, Texas, uh, you know, and I when I would go visit with him and go to Christmas parties and just spend time, have dinner, have lunch with him. When I would drive down just to visit with just me and him, man, we would drive around and we said, man, I built that dealership, I built that neighborhood, I built that building. He just he built so much. I built this bridge we're driving across. Uh, the Austin airport, you know, they built the Austin airport, uh, majority, uh, a big part of, of the colleges that are there in Austin. I mean, they just built so much and the, and the kind of work they did, the concrete work and the underground utilities. I mean, just unbelievable of a company, you know, that, that this, this man started from scratch because he wanted to have a better life and he liked, he loved Texas and man, boy, did he make a better life for a lot of his employees and their families and their kids. You know, I, I uh, you know, I, I'm rambling along telling you a lot, but, uh, you know, when I first met Chad's, a lot of his employees and a lot of his friends, their kids were babies. And, and today they're, a lot of them are married and have kids themselves. So, I mean, it, what a family it was, you know, uh, Eric Stanley was one of his friends and his, his wife, Lisa Stanley worked for me, helped me. Uh, we worked together for about 10 years. She just took care of all the business for David Star Racing, and she was wonderful. I would have never met them. Uh, you know, I met so many great people that are just great friends now from all over the country, from Chaz, you know, just uh, the guy was incredible, man. He loved to get in that motor home and go to Daytona. He loved hot rods, but man, what a, just what a, I'm talking and, I, I can assure you I'm smiling when I talk about him, but man, I've, I've cried so much 
since I got the news from his son, you know, I, I don't want to cry anymore. I just want to, I want to smile and because man, he did so much, you know, he did so much from, for my career. And I, and I, and I say this, I had a lot of people help me. He was one of the main guys. If he wouldn't have stepped up and did what he did, I might not have be where I'm at today. And, and I can assure you, I wouldn't have, you know, and, uh, and, and, you know, and I talk about him and tell you how awesome and what a wonderful guy was. He was all about hard work, dedication, and man, if you were on the good side of him, you were you were good. I, I never wanted to be on the wrong side of him, and I never got on the wrong side of him. But man, just a, a, a just a great guy with a great American story, you know. And now his sons, Chuck and Tony, they own and operate Chasco. And man, he was so proud of that. But man, what a what a great what a great life, and what a great man. Yeah, David, it sounds like a not only a great partner there, but the relationship you're describing between you and him kind of sounds maybe, maybe like an uncle-nephew relationship. Is that kind of accurate? Man, he was almost like a dad. You know, we, everybody knows I got a wonderful dad. I love my dad. He's great. And, uh, you know, Chaz was, you know, he, he, he kind of treated me like I was a son, you know, and, and it was always cool. You know, I just talked to him on Christmas Day and um, – You know, you, uh, three or four days later, you know, you get a phone call and uh, he's not with us anymore. And that's kind of tough. But, uh, you know, the phone call, our last phone call Christmas Day was, uh, uh, you know, he was excited. Hey, man, who are we racing for? What are we doing? You know, and, and he said, man, we're going to go to the 24 hours race. And, you know, Doyle Thomas is coming and, and, and Larry Davis and uh, Bob and Cat And just, you know, he had a. He had a big following, you know, that, that did a lot of stuff with him. Not only did they go to NASCAR races, they went to Pigeon Sports and they, they just went to a lot of great places and took their hot rods. I mean, he he knew how to work hard, but he but he played hard. You know what I mean? And uh, man, just uh, man, it just you know, I just think about that last phone call we had and how happy he was. And, and he was really looking forward to getting to Daytona. He said, man, I'm going to spend. I'm going to spend a month in Daytona. I said, a month? He said, yeah, we're going to go down for the 24 hours of the Daytona. And uh, then we're going to move out of the racetrack. We're going to camp. He told me not right down the road from the Speedway. And then as soon as the racetrack opens up for Speed Week for the Daytona 500, he was going to move back in. All of them were. There's, you know, he, he probably has about 10 to 12 spots there on Lake Lloyd inside the Daytona National Speedway. I mean, Chaz himself has 12 spots and, and those 12 spots go to his buddies, you know, people want to come to the races and the same people have been coming for years, you know, and uh, man, you know, just all his friends and a lot of them become great partners and help me race. Uh, and man, they, it all comes from him, you know, but man, he was so excited about the season and getting to Daytona kicking off the season and all that kind of stuff. It's just sad that, that, that that's never going to come to be, but, uh, but man, he was, he was happy, you know, and, uh, but man, I was just, you know, I thank the good Lord. I'm, I'm celebrating, you know, celebrate his life and thank the, and I thank God that, uh, that he put this together. That's incredible, David. Uh, what a story there. And sounds like an incredible man, uh, yeah. there in, uh, Chaz Glace, who you're talking about. And uh, in case, you are just joining us. This is Let's Go Racing with David Starr. David, along with Tyler Jones here, Dominic Oregon of the RacingExperts.com here as well. And uh, David, you know, looking at uh, what what Chaz did with Chazco, 
Tell us about Chazco. What was Chazco? What did they do? And uh, how did you get involved with them? And what was kind of uh, your work with them over the years like? What did yeah. you do with with Chazco? Man, they're you know they're just a, a, a big you know construction company. You know they build things. They they move dirt. You know they show me. You know you know I would go with Chaz and he'd show me a raw piece of land. And you know six months later I come back and there's a massive warehouse or a building. You know or build car dealerships and, um, you know, and they, they do underground utility work and, and they do concrete work. They pretty much, whatever needs to be built, they can build it, you know, and man, did they build a lot of stuff, you know, and, and, uh, you know, for Chaz, uh, the racing, he was passionate about cars. He loved American hot rods and he loved NASCAR racing. And, uh, you know, as, as we, our relationship grew and grew into something special. He just wanted to see me succeed, you know, and he was always, you know, always calling me, encouraging me and, you know, and always checking on me and my family. And, uh, man, he was filled with love and whatever I needed, he wanted to make sure I had, you know, and not only did he support me financially, he brought other people into our racing family to, to help me race and to help support me, you know, and uh, he was just a, a special guy, but he had a special company. He was special. And you look at those guys, you know, you think, man, Chaz, you know, I never thought about, I, it never crossed my mind that, that one day he would, he wouldn't be here. You know what I mean? I just, I never thought about that. It's kind of like, you know, you look at some of these people, they're bigger than life personalities, you know, they just, they just love life and they, and, you just don't ever think that this kind of stuff's going to happen, but it's just reality. It's life. It does, you know, and, and, uh, but I can assure you, uh, that he, uh, you know, he, uh, he, uh, he made a uh, lots and lots of people's lives better. You know, I'm one of them, uh, the community where he lived in Round Rock, Texas. I mean, the things he did, you know, I, I would learn about stuff he did for people, families, uh, the YMCA, just different organization. He was passionate about, you know, the, our armed forces, you know, people that would gotten, that had been out fighting for our country, you know, and if they were injured or hurt, you know, he, he did a lot of, a lot of great things for people that nobody even knew about. I would learn, I'd hear a little bit bits and pieces, but man, he just, uh, he was good for the uh, for his community. Definitely, the the Round Rock, Texas, is a better community because of Chaz Glace and just all the employees he had over the years. He wanted to see them prosper. Gave them a great job, paid them well. They worked hard, but they made a good living. And uh, man, just uh, a great guy, you know. And just you know, I just I'm just so thankful that uh, that I that you know I was his friend, and uh, you know, and and I'm just blessed that he did what he did for me personally because I wouldn't have what I have today if it wasn't been for Chaz Glace. So uh, I, I'm going to celebrate his life. I'm going to cry some more, but, uh, but uh, it's, it's, I'm going to celebrate it and, and be, I'm proud. And uh, man, and, and man, he was a Texan, man. He wasn't from Texas, but man, through and through dude, love Texas, man. He, he, uh, you looked at him when you saw Chaz, man, he, you knew he was somebody special. And man, when you saw him, you thought, man, he's a Texan. You know what I mean? <laughs> he was proud to wear that cowboy hat and uh, big old belt buckle and those starched blue jeans, man. He loved his blue jeans and uh, his cowboy boots. But man, he, uh, 
he was a force to be reckoned with. That, that was for sure. And, and Hey, you know, I always, you know, all, I, I have so many different people's sponsors that helped me enable me to race. And you're so thankful for all of them and all of them got great stories, you know, and, and we'll talk about more, uh, more of these uh, wonderful people that own these companies that helped me race down the road a little bit on the, on a, on a next podcast. But, uh, but man, Chaz was a force to be reckoned with. And, uh, people wanted to hang out with him. They wanted to be in his campsite. They wanted to do business with him and, and man, our Christmas parties that he had and, uh, and there and, and, and round rock and during Christmas time, man, it's like, you know, there were congressmen to show up, you know, there were city council members, the mayor round rock. I mean, this guy, he was connected, you know, he was connected because, because he, he, he did the right, he did it right. You know I mean? He had a company that built stuff in the community. Uh, and, and, you know, I never heard anything, bad about Chasco from all the years I knew Chaz and, and what Chasco built, everything they, they had and did. And when you, when I heard, when I would meet people from around rock, I said, man, I got some good friends of mine, Chaz Glaze, Tony and Chuck Glaze. And, you know, he owns a company called Chasco, man. Everybody knows Chasco in, in Austin, Texas, you know, cause their trucks all look the same. They say Chasco on the doors and all the equipment. But man, they have really uh, uh, had a big impact on that part of the part of Texas, uh, that Austin Round Rock area, you know. And uh, you know, I just feel good that all the all the people that loved him and, and the people he loved and the the life he 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 changed a lot of people's lives for the better. And I I got wind hanging out with him the last four or five years, you know. Uh, some of the things he did for people, and man, he was just so generous. And, uh, man, it's good that there's people like Chaz Glace all over the country, you know, and uh, it's just wonderful. I'm just thankful and blessed that uh, he was that 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 himself and his sons took me in as a as a family member. And uh, and they were as passionate about racing it as I was, you know what I mean? So that was really cool. That's awesome, Dave. And and kind of when you think about Chaz and and his legacy, what do you think people are going to remember most? What are you going to remember most about him and, and being a part of? of his life and, and knowing him so well, you know, uh, just how, just man, just how he loved life, how he loved his friends and his family and, and, and the, the people he did business with, you know what I mean? I mean, you know, sometimes you do business, business is business and, and personal is personal, but, you know, it seemed like Chaz really cared about everybody, you know what I mean? And, uh, and as I got to know Chaz over the years, uh, he really people that he worked with and customers and employees and, uh, you know, he, he, he really cared about their kids and how they were doing. And, and he always asked me about, you know, my family members, you know, and, and uh, my mom and dad, my brothers and my uncles and just everybody that when he met you. I mean, he was like, you known him forever, you know, and, and over the years, ever since the Texas Motor Speedway opened and we've been racing there for 24 years, I have, you know, the different family members and, and all the different partners that I have eventually come to Texas for a race or two. And Chaz always said, man, bring, bring your team, bring your other partners, bring your sponsors, bring them over here. We're going to cook for them. We're going to, we're going to feed them. We're going to make them feel some Texas love and, and we're going to love on them and 
and welcome here to the to the Chasco compound. And man, it just uh, just how he treat, treated people, you know, it was just amazing. You know what I mean? And uh, uh, just, you know, there's so much to remember about him. You know what I mean? It's just uh, just disappointed that he won't you know, that that won't continue. But man, the legacy he left behind and the, the company and his sons and his grandchildren, man, he loved his family, you know, his beautiful grandchildren. And, you know, I just, uh, you know, you just think about it all the time. I mean, I, I just can't stop thinking about him and all the wonderful things he did for my family, but just all the wonderful things he did for everybody, you know, and, uh, you know, he just got a lot of enjoyment, you know, I, uh, he got a lot of enjoyment out of watching people have a good time. He was more, seemed like he was more concerned about other people than, his, than himself. You know what I mean? It was just, it was awesome, man. It was just awesome. Pretty cool deal, man. Real quick, David, before we move on, what was the last race that uh, Chaz was your primary sponsor? <laughs> well, if, uh, you know, heck, it's just 2020, man. I mean, every time I think I drove Bobby Dollar to the 07 car, I mean, I want to say, uh, man, a majority of the races in 2020, you know, Chasco was on my car. I mean, um, you know, the last race we ran at Phoenix that we had such a good run at, you know, Chaz, uh, Chasco was on the rear quarter panels and uh, it was always on my race cars, you know, whether uh, whether it was on the hood of the rear quarter panels, I always had a Chasco sticker pretty much every time I raced a car or truck, it didn't matter. You know what I mean? I, I, I did that because I wanted him to know that. And he knew, he knew how much I loved him. He knew how much I appreciated what he did for me what his company did for me, how his employees and, you know, everything he did for me. I, 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 I let him know all the time what that meant to me personally, what it meant to my family. And, uh, but man, it's the last race we ran at Phoenix, man. I had Chasco on the rear quarter panels and man, I, 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 I you know, as lo- I, I love all of my partners. Y'all know that, you know what I mean? Right. I couldn't race without them and every car is special but I was always proud when I, we had Chasco on the race car because I know, I know, I, I knew Chaz was smiling. You know what I mean? I knew he was. He enjoyed that. He liked seeing his name on our race cars and liked seeing it on television. And uh, he just wanted to see me succeed. And uh, uh, you know, and uh, that that was a beautiful thing. You know what I mean? When I talked to him on Christmas Day, you know, he's like, "Hey, man, you know what? What are we doing? What, what are we doing in next year in 2021? What's the plan?" You know, I said, "Well, man, I'm working on that." And I said, "I'll hopefully, Chaz, in about two or three weeks, I'll be able to tell you." You know, he said, "Well, hey, let me know. Call me. Let me know." You know, and he said, "You know, I, I'm in. I'm with you." And uh, always, you know, always knew that. But uh, but anyway, man, what a what a great guy. Just like I said, just sad that uh, he won't uh, he won't be at any more races with us. But just uh, just very blessed and thankful that that, you know, the good Lord brought him into my life and everybody else's life. And uh, man, what a what a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful man, you know, inside yeah. and out. Pretty cool yeah. deal, man. That's uh, fantastic. He sounds like a wonderful man and he'll certainly be missed. Uh, let's get to a few more things on today's show. Dominic, time for this week's edition of NASCAR News and Notes. Let's go ahead and get started. Sure. So every this show, we take a look at the top three or four headlines occurring around the NASCAR community, the NASCAR industry, and just kind of get everybody's reaction on it. Some of the news that broke 
Earlier this week, New York Racing Team will be attempting the Daytona 500 and the full 2021 Cup Series schedule. Catchfence.com's Chris Knight is reporting that John Cohen, who formerly owned Extreme Motorsports, will be fielding the New York Racing Team in 2021. They'll be running the entire schedule, and they'll be running as an open team. So there's no word yet on a sponsor, who the driver's going to be, manufacturers, numbers, alliances, anything like that. But this team last competed in 2018, and one thing, guys, that we've learned over the last couple months is that NASCAR will not be paying open teams any part of the purse money come 2021. So what Cohen's trying to do here with his team sounds like he's really got some good financial backing or potentially some good partners behind him. So Dominic, you're saying that open teams on the cup side, if you're an open team, uh, they don't, you don't get any purse money. Correct. And Carl Long was the first one to really talk about this on Sirius XM radio NASCAR channel 90 a couple of weeks back. He was talking about how open teams really aren't going to see money come in anymore from the purses and, and $600,000 over the course of a season may not sound like a lot of money, but to an open team, that's certainly a lot of money and that can go and be a big difference in being able to make travel costs, whatever the case may be. But Carl Long was the first one to really bring light to that in a Sirius XM radio a few weeks back. So with all that being said, yeah, the open team, there's not going to be any charter money. There's not going to be prize money associated from the purse winnings. So it sounds like they're going to have to have some big financial backing outside of relying on purse money to, to go to the track each week. Man, Tyler, that's that's man, that's that's incredible for somebody to uh, to make a, a huge commitment. Uh, man, that's I mean, it's surprising to me. I mean, I, I love hearing. Uh, new people coming into our sport and uh, you know, whether it's truck series or Xfinity or the cup series, I mean, it's wonderful that, that you got a, that you, that people want to be part of this sport own teams. That's a, that's a wonderful thing, but I'm so surprised that uh, it's surprising to me that you could run a cup car at that level because we all know what that takes and how expensive and, and, you know, the kind of backing that that takes to be able to even attempt to do that. And for the news to break that they're going to run full time and not be able to collect any purse money from, from Daytona till we end the season in November at Phoenix, man, I, I absolutely Dominic. It's really surprising that, that they're able to do that. Uh, then, and like you said, they must have some big, big financial uh, commitments from companies or, or, or people to be able to do that. So, uh, man, I hope if somebody makes that, you know, I hope that that endeavor, that team can get to the point where they're very competitive and they deserve to get prize money. And, and, uh, but man, that's, that's surprising, but uh, just very, I'm glad to hear, uh, obviously glad to hear when new people come into our sports, pretty cool. Oh, yeah. And Tyler, just to kind of add on to this as well, the last time this team did run, they ran a partial schedule in 2018 with J.G. Ailey, kind of an association with Premium Motorsports and BK Racing. But they, two years back, said they had a, a full-time sponsor over a multi-year deal, and that didn't pan out. They only ended up running a few races. Okay. Um, you know, with that in mind of attempting the Daytona 500 like this, uh, got me thinking, David, is – is that something you want to do again, you know, in your future? Do you want to, you know, try for the Daytona 500 at some point? <laughs> Man, I can assure you, let me, let me, let me assure you that ever since I was three, four years old, uh, that's a goal that I've never attempted. To, you know, I've never raced in the Daytona 500. I, uh, I mean, 
you know, from the time I could read books and knew about stock car racing. I mean, when you think about NASCAR racing, you think about the crown, I mean, the Daytona 500. I mean, you know, for the IndyCar racing, the Indianapolis 500 and the Kentucky Derby or the World Series, man, if, if, if there's any race, anybody, any driver wants to be in, man, it's the Daytona 500. I had the opportunity to be of a Daytona 500 champion. I mean, that's huge. And um, I have never had the opportunity to to try to make the Daytona 500. And uh, I can assure you that I hope before this all ends that I will have the opportunity to make the Daytona 500 and I'll get the opportunity to race in it because, man, that's been a dream of mine since ever I can remember. And uh, it's a big deal, man. It's got a lot of meaning to it. And uh, I can assure you that I, I know for sure that 2021, I won't have the opportunity to try to make the Daytona 500. But, man, you know, if I only got two, three, four, five more years in this sport, uh, you, rest, you know, just know that I'm going to be working hard to try to make compete in the Daytona 500. I just think that's just a dream of mine that I've never accomplished. And I want to accomplish that dream for all this is over with. So that's a big deal. And you guys see it. I mean, you see it. You, you saw what Timmy, uh, what was it? It was a, uh, uh, Timmy Hill. And, uh, I mean, you see the emotions and you see some of these Cinderella stories when the season starts and some of these teams that don't have a spot in the Daytona 500. And when they race their way in through the twin 125 races on Thursday, Thursday night or Thursday afternoon, and they make the Daytona 500. I mean, you see what that race means by seeing over the years, these people, these, these Cinderella stories and some of these drivers that make it, I mean, they can hardly do their interviews. They're so excited. It has a lot of meaning to it, man. Oh, absolutely. I think of two right off the bat when you say Cinderella stories making the Daytona 500. I think Kirk Shelmerdine in 2006 showed up to the 500, former Dale Earnhardt crew chief, was running some partial schedules throughout the years. And he announced, if we don't make the Daytona 500, we're going to fold operations. And he ran his qualifying race, thought he didn't make the race. So he's in the garage area. The team's loading up. They're getting ready to, to just kind of fold operations. And a NASCAR official comes running in and says, Hey, Kirk, wait, 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 slow down, unload the car. You made the Daytona 500. So he got to run the race as an owner driver, his first and only 500 race. And so many people came to his support. Dale Earnhardt fans, a group of fans brought, bought his sets of tires for the race. And he was able to go on and finish on the lead lap 20th. And I think of Brian Keselowski in 2011, having little brother Brad pushing him. Brian and his team, they all had checked out of their hotels Thursday morning. They thought, we're not making the Daytona 500. Well, Brad and him were in the same race. Brad being locked in in the two car, pushed his brother. I, I think even with two or three laps to go, he almost won that Gatorade duel. He was in the top five and he qualified top 15 for that race. And it was so cool to see Brad pushing his bigger brother who was not locked into the race. So those are the two I think of. There's always great stories coming out of speed weeks, but especially those open teams and those cars that are not locked in. Oh yeah. Uh, I remember when uh, that Tommy Baldwin team made the 500. Uh, that was quite the story when, uh, when they made it that year and, and uh, just wild to see uh, some of these scenarios and we're counting down the days now to Daytona guys. We're just right at about over a month away from a uh, speed week. So should be exciting when uh, that gets rolling along. What else we got, Dom? 
Absolutely. It's going to be a lot of fun. And just a few weeks past Daytona, we'll have the race out in Phoenix Raceway. And that'll be happening the second week in March. Phoenix Raceway announced earlier this week that they're going to be allowing limited capacity as far as fans and fan experience for the NASCAR Spring Race Weekend. According to a press release that we had taken a look at, there's not exact numbers on how many fans are going to be allowed at the Speedway. But if it's anything like what November saw, between seven, 8,000 fans for Championship Race Weekend. So you'll see fans there at the Speedway socially distanced. There'll be some access along the hillside as well as spots there on the hill on Sunday. Let me, let me jump in here real quick, David. Um, an interesting note on this, just by comparison, you know, the – the attitude I've had about this, David, when it comes to fans are that I would just – I'm just grateful that we get to have them when we get the chance. You know, uh, you know, sure, might not have a big amount, but, you know, grateful that they're there, right? Um, you're looking at, what, seven, eight, nine thousand is that range there at Phoenix. Down the road, the Arizona Cardinals have not had fans all season. They've had just family and friends. The Fiesta Bowl was there. Uh, in Glendale just a couple days ago, family and friends only. So even in that area, major sporting events are getting to have fans. So, David, that, that's pretty cool that NASCAR is on the forefront getting to have fans and major sports in that area aren't even getting that same opportunity. Man, you're uh, Tyler, you're so right about that. I think NASCAR has done a tremendous job of, you know, our sport, our sport is built – and relies on the fans without the fans there is no nascar racing you know and uh the manufacturers the sponsors you know they're only sponsors in our industry because of the fans you know i mean trying to promote their car the car manufacturers the the consumer products and man our, our nascar fans are really so loyal to the to the to the sponsors that participate in our industry and it's a beautiful thing but man tyler you're so right you know you just even though it might only be 10,000, 8,000, whatever that number may be, you know, compared to what other major sports are in that Arizona uh, area, uh, in the state of Arizona, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's a huge difference. At least, there, at least there's going to be 10,000, 9,000, whatever that number may be. But, you know, I think NASCAR has done a tremendous job. They're doing everything they can. They, they would, they would so like to see this pandemic, go away and with the backs with the vaccines and the vaccinations with all the vaccinations going on right now and you know and and you know would just it just be you know they're they're doing everything they can within the guidelines of the of the state and the city officials uh to make sure that the race fans that are coming to the races when they come and enjoy the race and, and they go back home they're going to be safe they're not gonna you know they're not gonna come back you know COVID while they're there you know what I mean and I think NASCAR has done a tremendous job and, and as much as us drivers and the team owners and everybody involved even the fans as bad as they want to come back you know what I mean and NASCAR is doing a great job of, of, of just doing everything uh, to the best of their ability they're aggressive with it aggressive to the point where you know, up until, you know, you don't, that everybody's going to be safe. And, uh, but, you know, it's, uh, it's still going to be a challenge, you know, and, and if NASCAR could have these racetrack, these stadiums, they could put 50,000, 60, 80, or 100,000 people in the stands. I can assure you they would tomorrow, you know what I mean? So they're, they're following all the guidelines and, and, and getting 
you know, uh, you know, working with all the state officials and the city officials. And, uh, right. you know, as soon as it gets this pandemic gets under control, I mean, our sport, all sports will get back to normal. But I, I still think, you know, if they're looking at three, four or five, maybe six months down the road, you know, so we just just like you said, Tyler, just blessed that that we're able to do what we're able to do so far. If I had to guess right now, just based on where this vaccine is at and everything, I think we could be looking back at uh, full capacity by the playoffs. I think that's the timeline. I think that's realistic at this point. I don't think that's far-fetched. And it would be great for the sport if you could have people in the stands 100% again for that time of the year, which is so important for the sport. That'd be great to see. What else we got, Dom? There are some other news and notes and headlines. SRX Racing, that's the racing series that Tony Stewart and Ray Evernham are spearheading. Superstar Racing. David, say it again? Superstar Racing. Superstar Racing, exactly. <laughs> They've announced their 2021 schedule. So on a post on social media earlier this week, they announced June through July, they're going to hit six different venues. They'll be taking on Stafford Motor Speedway, Knoxville Speedway in Iowa, Eldora Speedway, Lucas Oil Raceway in Indy, Slinger Speedway in Wisconsin and the Nashville Fairground Speedway. And from our buddy Adam Stern at the Sports Business Journal, he's reporting to you that SRX is planning on having a ringer car. So this would be where you have top drivers come in for a one race deal or one race off kind of show. And then you have a Balboa car where the local champion gets to come in and, and race with these guys. And this racing series is pretty much a resurrection of the IROC series. You have a lot of superstars. Tony Stewart has said he's running. Same with Bobby Labonte, Bill Elliott, Willie Ribs, Tony Tony Kanan. So a lot of great guys that are going to be running in this series and the potential to see other big names as well as local guys going up against these guys as well. And to add in real quick too, I love the situation of how they've set this up when it comes uh, TV contract wise. Uh, They're all on Saturday nights, six straight weeks going to be on the CBS broadcast network, the big CBS. Um, David, I'm excited for this. I would love to get out to see SRX next summer. Man, I'm I'm so uh, intrigued by it. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's interesting. You know, you got Tony Stewart, you know, and, and uh, you got Ray Everham and, you know, and, and the major network that they got behind them. And, and man, just all these superstars, superstars of our sport, you know, I, one of the most questions I get when I, when I'm talking to fans, it's about Tony Stewart's new racing series. And, and uh, a lot of questions, people ask me a lot of questions and I have no answers from them. So hearing you guys talk about the schedule and learning more about it as we all do, it's kind of, it's exciting. I, I'm intrigued by it. Uh, you know, I, I want to know what the cars are going to look like. Uh, you know, how long the races are going to be and, and how many cars are going to be in the race. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's kind of interesting. You know what I mean? It's interesting that Tony Stewart and Ray Abraham are trying to develop another NASCAR stock car type series. You know what I mean? And uh, it's, it's, it's interesting, man. I, I have a lot of questions and, uh, I'm 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 excited like you are and everybody else is to see see the first race and and man just hearing Dominic say uh, you know like a Baboa guy you know like a Rocky guy giving somebody you know that that track champion at that speed at that racetrack that they're going to have a race at man what a what a what an opportunity for a champion at your local racetrack uh, to be able to race against the best of the best you know Tony Kanaan and 
Bill Elliott, and Bobby Labonte, and Tony Stewart. Man, it gives somebody an opportunity to be, become a superstar. But you know, because if you can get on in a in a race with all those superstars and you can beat them, I mean. And that's going to elevate that guy. I mean, his phone's not going to stop ringing. You know, all the NASCAR teams are going to be calling him. I mean, it's just – I just see another opportunity to bring in other drivers uh, to make a name for themselves with Tony's with Tony's series and to take the superstars that have been superstars in our sports for so long. And some – a lot of them have retired. And to see them come back and get an opportunity to win races again, dude, that's that's really exciting. So I'm I'm excited, intrigued by all of what they're doing, and uh, it's I'm going to be tuned in and really watching just to understand and learn. And uh, but man, that's that's really cool. And and Dominic and y'all are talking about an IROC series. It's kind of a it you know it sounds like to me that all the cars will be the same. And you plug in a superstar driver and made the best driver win or the best setup win. So it's going to be, sounds like to me, it's going to be very competitive. Uh, if all the cars are the same, they got the same horsepower, the same setup, you know, all, all the suspension and the setup of the race car, if everything's the same, the body's the same. So it is going to be like an IROC series. And, and uh, man, I think it's going to be very competitive and very entertaining. So, man, I'm, I'm excited like y'all are. Well, and, and the thing to me, David, is uh, these guys, they, they may not be able to run uh, at the top level of their series anymore. You know, Tony Kanaan is not winning IndyCar races every week anymore. Or, you know, Tony Stewart, we know about the fall off that he had towards the end of his career and such. You know, Bill Elliott's involved in this. Been a long time since he raced full time and such like that. But these guys can still race. They still got something in them. Um, and uh, I'm excited just to see these guys still show off. We've seen when Dale Jr.'s hopped in an Xfinity car, he's still been great out there competing with the best of the best. So, um, with, with all that being said, David, I, I would also add, you know, if you want a comparison of sorts. I think at golf, they have that champions tour for the older guys, you know, Phil Mickelson's right. transitioning into that right now. And, and uh, that's been very popular. The, the senior open and senior PGA and stuff like that. You think this could be something like that? Maybe uh, essentially de facto senior, you know, touring series for NASCAR <laughs> essentially here. Well, I mean, it's, it is, it's, it sounds like it, you know, just what I know about it. It's just, you know, the, uh, the former superstars of, of different types of auto racing are going to participate in this. And, and man, let me assure you when Tony Stewart retired and got out of NASCAR that last, that last year he ran, he won a race, you know, and, and man, he's a hot shoe in those sprint cars. And uh, I, I, I know for a fact, you put Tony back in the cup car, a really good cup car with a good team. You know, look at his team. Look at what Kevin Harvick did and Clint Boyer. And look how competitive his team. I, I feel like if Tony got back in one of his cars and competed in NASCAR, you see him in victory lane. I mean, you know, uh, I, I look back at Mike Skidder. You know, Mike Skidder, uh, a champion in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series and Dale Earnhardt's uh, uh, teammate for years. And, I mean, Mike, uh, you know, I mentioned Mike and, and Ron Hornaday. And, and these guys – even though they're a little bit older, I can assure you, and I know for a fact, these guys are great race car drivers. And and, and some of the kids that are racing in NASCAR today, you know, I, I race against them. They're not a Mike Skinner. They're not a Ron Hornaday. They're, they're not a Bill Elliott or a Bobby Labonte. 
But, man, I, you know, given equal equipment, these guys can still get the job done. Let me assure you of that. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm – uh, I, I, it's kind of exciting to see what, what develops uh, at, a, at a Tony and Ray's new series – and it's kind of cool, you know. I think the uh, the entertainment side is going to be cool. But man, w- once you're competitive, I mean, you know, you guys are competitive. We're all competitive. But you know, a NASCAR driver, I don't want to think when I have to retire and I can't race anymore. But man, that you never lose that burning, that passion, that that fierce competitiveness in you. And to see Bill Elliott and 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 to see Tony Kanaan and and Bobby Bonnie and Tony Stewart, man, you're going to see these guys. I mean, they're, it's going to be a lot of be, be a lot of beating and banging, a lot of paint swapping, and uh, it's going to be it's going to be entertaining, man. They can still get the job done. Let's uh, let's go around the room real quick. Give me a name or two that you'd like to see in that ringer car. We'll start with you, Dom. Give me a name or two, real quick. This will show my bias by saying the name, but I think Jeff oh, Bodine. <laughs> would be awesome to see an SRX race. I know he stopped racing in the Cup Series almost 10 years ago, but it would still be awesome to see Jeff get back out there. All right, David, give me a name or two you'd like to see do this. Man, there's so many. You know what I mean? There's so many names. I, I just – it's hard to just to pick one. You know what I mean? I, I uh, you know, I, I like to see Mark Martin jump in one of those cars because, man, Mark was God. He was – he was so good on, you know, and, and I, I really feel like Mark could jump in a cup car again right now, win races, you know, and, and I want to back that up by saying, you know, I'm talking about my friend, Mike Skinner, you know, look at Mike Skinner, Brendan gone. I mean, so, so many, you know what I mean? I just, uh, I, I mean, I, it'd be kind of cool, Tyler, to, if it was a championships tour, uh, you know, for former former stars, and you brought like thirty of them back, and they're all thirty of the same cars. Man, what a series! And how much fun would that be? You know what I mean? But uh, there's oh, yeah. so many so many guys I'd like to see. But I I, I want to hear what you, what your what your answer is. Yeah, I mean, it, you could do a Champions Tour just a limited schedule, maybe like 15, 18 races, something like that, and it'd be great. Um, Absolutely. See. The, the guy that comes to mind, he retired a couple years ago. He's really good on dirt. I'd like to see Casey Kane do this. Casey was a phenomenal racer, and he got a whole lot out of those Everingham cars, way more than he should have been capable of doing. Um, I think Casey still has something in him, could be competitive in, uh, in something like this. I think he'd be fun and could uh, hop in right away and win. I, I I still thought Casey retired too early from cup racing. I, I think he's still got something <laughs> in the tank at, at his age and such personally. So those are uh, yeah. some of the things that come to mind uh, as far as that goes. Uh, all right. So that's uh, it for news and notes this week. Let's go ahead and get to our final segment of the show. It is time for Ask David, where David answers a couple of questions that you send us on Facebook uh, at the Let's Go Racing with David Starr Facebook page, also on Twitter at Star Podcast, and the Gmail inbox, which is starpodcast at gmail.com. We'll start out with a question on Facebook from Bob. Bob writes, hey, David, uh, what's the strangest thing you've been asked to autograph? <laughs> oh, man, that's interesting. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, you can only imagine, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, man, years ago, I, I was uh, 
It was in St. Louis, uh, the St. Louis racetrack there, uh, Gateway uh, Raceway. And uh, a lady asked me, had a little baby with her and wanted me to sign the baby's arm. You know what I mean? And I just, <laughs> I mean, I, I uh, you know, I, I uh, never disrespect any of the fans, you know what I mean? But I, I, I just thought that was probably, probably the most bizarre request from anybody, you know, to sign a, a little kid must have been three, four years old, you know, and I, I mean, you know, I, I, I didn't want, you know, she insisted, you know, so I signed it, you know, and I wanted to carry the little boy. It was a little baby boy and I love babies, you know what I mean? But I thought that was probably, probably uh, one of the strangest requests ever that I've ever had, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I've heard, I, uh, you know, speak about Brendan gone. He's got a great, fan uh that really is probably his biggest fan uh she was showing me not too long ago on her calves i think brendan signed her calves and she went to a she went to a, a tattoo artist and he 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 tattooed that signature into her on her leg and i really thought that was uh you know that was kind of uh you know strange but uh but man that's uh Y'all know the fans we have in our sport, man, and thank God for them, and uh, and we love them all, you know. Thank God for them, but man, they're very passionate, and uh, you know they they want they want those autographs from all the all the drivers, and uh, sometimes some of those requests are way out there. <laughs> well, let me ask you, Dave: Has a fan ever come up to you or ever shown you, look, I've got a David Starr tattoo or like a car number or logo <laughs> or anything? No, not not yeah. that I not that I can remember. You know what I mean? And uh, uh, I've seen some cool, you know, uh, uh, where other drivers had signed people's arms and they tattooed it. You know, like you know, uh, Hornet Ron Hornaday comes to mind. Brendan Gone. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of definitely a lot of Dale Earnhardt's and Jimmy Johnsons and Jeff Gordons and uh, you know another big one was a Dale Junior. I've seen these Axel autographs and people would tattoo that onto their body but you know it's just uh it's awesome that our the fan base that that our industry and how big and how passionate the fans are thank god for them uh but that's that's pretty cool you know i'm always intrigued to to learn i've, I've seen some people sign vehicles inside sign the dash of vehicles hot rods and you know and uh you know, sometimes people want me to sign their, their clothes. You know what I mean? I mean, nice shirts. And I said, you, are you sure you want me to ruin that shirt by putting my name on it? You know, it's a nice shirt, you know, and uh, I can autograph something else and give it to you. I don't want to ruin your shirt, you know, but, uh, but these fans are very passionate and they want drivers uh, signatures and autographs. That's pretty cool. You know, but there's, there's some strange requests, you know? <laughs> oh Yeah. It reminds me of that scene in Talladega Nights where Ricky Bobby signs the baby. That was you. You were before Ricky Bobby. Uh, well, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it was so funny. Uh, you know, Dale Jr., when he moved to the 88 car, he he said a big reason why he chose that number was because so many people had that eight tattoo. They just had another eight. That, that was perfect, man. That was perfect. You know, that's Dale Jr. He, you know, he loves the fans. You know, he's a obviously the fan favorite. And uh, but man, he was he was thinking about the fans when he, he you know because how about all the people have eights? I've seen so many eights tattooed on people. And you hear the story, you know, and, and, and man, Tyler, you're so right. You know, all they got to do is just to add another eight. It was see, it was a, it was an easy fix, you know? So, you know, he was thinking about the fans when he, when he chose that number. 
Oh, that's uh, that's great. Uh, I love it. Another question for you. It comes in from Haley. And Haley writes, uh, David, with tracks that aren't run anymore, where is somewhere that you wish you would have run that maybe you haven't run before? What comes to mind of some of those tracks you think historically that you didn't get the chance to run that you would have liked to? Man, that's it. Haley, that's a great question. Uh, one of them comes to mind is Texas World Speedway. Uh, Texas World Speedway was just north, uh, northwest of Houston, Texas, where I'm from, about 65 miles. College Station, and right? College Station, Texas, yeah, where Texas A&M is located. Man, beautiful, beautiful racetrack. It's a sister track to Michigan. It's a two-mile super speedway, but much, much faster. The banking there was unbelievable. Texas World had some serious banking. And, man, I won a, a Texas Race of Champions, a late model stock car race there in 1997. And, uh, but, man, I, I attempted an ARCA race uh, back in 1991, 92. Uh, took one of our school race cars that we had in our school, and uh, we tried to make the uh, ARCA race there. I think it was a NASCAR Winston Ways combined ARCA race. And man, I ran, it was an Oldsmobile. It was a cool race car. And I ran that thing wide open for two laps and man, his tongue was hanging out, but uh, we just barely messed it, you know, but uh, man, if, if, if that's probably my favorite racetrack in the country, because as a young boy in the late sixties, early seventies, when my dad was working for Vita Fresh Orange Juice and Ronnie Chumley, they would have NASCAR Cup races there. They called the, the NASCAR Cup Series back then NASCAR Grand National Races. And, man, I remember seeing Richard Petty win at Texas World Speedway. I saw A.J. Foyt win at Texas World Speedway. I saw Buddy Baker win at Texas World Speedway. So ever since I was a little boy, two, three years old, I've been going to Texas World Speedway with my mom watching the races because my dad was on pit road or in the garage is working. And that's, that is my favorite racetrack. And that is a great question. <clears throat> and I wish uh, if I could wave a magic wand and, and the NASCAR cup series or the NASCAR truck series or the Xfinity series could go to the racetrack. That's not longer, no longer in existence or operating for me, it would be Texas World Speedway in Bryan College Station, Texas. Oh, that, that'd be so cool. Uh, that makes me think, Dominic, uh, I know you're big into the sim racing. Texas World Speedway, you can still find it on iRacing or NASCAR 2003 season. I mean, it, it still lives on, but in the virtual world, right? It absolutely does, and I think – you really can't shout out that community enough. Yes, iRacing is really big, and more and more people and superstars are running it too, but it's predecessor. Papyrus was truly ahead of its time, and, and at a time where they and EA Sports were battling for the rights of which company would carry the exclusive rights to, to make NASCAR games, their, their sims were just above and beyond, and even 21 years later, almost 20 years later, I should say, 
I can't even math today, guys. 17 years <laughs> later, 17 years later, you still have this dedicated community to this NASCAR racing 2003 season video game. People will go on and modify and make brand new tracks and they make mods. So that way there's the cup series cars, the Xfinity cars, the truck series cars, and there's leagues that still run these and Texas world speedway. I've never raced on it, to be honest with you, the sim racing side of it, but it would be a fun track to, to add to the BRL schedule. Oh, that's cool. That's uh, it's awesome, that's and that's and that's where we started. You know, my uncle Mike Star. That's where we started the our team, Texas High Performance Driving School, was started in nineteen uh, nineteen eighty nine or nineteen ninety at Texas World Speedway, man. And and uh, man, what man the stories and the experience. But what a beautiful facility and fast. God, that place was really fast. Uh, quick story. Uh, Greg, Greg Ives, as you get my, I don't know if I'm saying Greg's last name right, but you are. Uh, he's Ralph, you know, crew chief at Ralph Yates Racing. He had called me up and he said, hey, David, I'd like to bring Greg Biffle down. We'd like to test at Texas World. How's the track? You know, I said, man, it's been, it's, you know, it's bumpy. It's, it's, it's wore out. Uh, you know, you, you're probably only going to get eight or nine laps at the most out of a set of tires. But he said, what do you think, man? Can I, can I, you think it'd be a great t- place to test during the winter? I said, I'll tell you what, Greg, I'll, I'll drive down there. I drove down there and uh, uh, I took video of, of me driving around the racetrack, took a lot of pictures, and I would email that video to him. And and Bill Mather, the guy that bought the racetrack uh, from Dick Canole's, uh, uh, Dick Canole had passed on, so his wife had to track. She sold it to Bill Mather. Uh, Bill was gracious enough to hire a company to come in there and grind the racetrack. It had some, some bad bumps in the, in, in, in the group and man, they ground that thing. And, and not only did they grind it one time, I think they ended up grinding it three times and Ralph Yates racing Greg Ives. They, they brought Greg Biffle down here and, uh, there was no soft walls. And I think, uh, I never, I, I never talked to Biffle about it, but Greg was sharing with me how fast and how he said, man, it got Greg Biffle's attention real quick. But that place was so fast, really fast. I think he was running in the 220 something miles an hour. I mean, that's fast in a cup car, but you, you can almost run there wide open. It had so much banking in it and a lot more than Michigan, and it was just super fast. So uh, what yeah. a cool racetrack that was, man. That's a great question. Thank you, Haley. Yeah, appreciate it, Haley. And you can send us those questions each each and every week, and uh, we'll get to them here on uh, Let's Go Racing with David Starr. We got to run. Uh, Dominic, real quick, what's coming up on the uh, racing experts this week? Still with our off-season coverage, we'll cover the news and happenings of the sport as well as our giveaways on Twitter. So, they like winning free NASCAR merchandise? All you got to do is follow us along at twitter.com slash the racing R-A-C-N experts. Just be on the lookout, and we have a lot of cool little packages we send out. So, just all you got to do is follow us along for the action. That is awesome. And, uh, guys, it's, it's January, New Year and everything. An exciting time. Tulsa shootout in my hometown uh, you know, wrapping up. And then you got, of course, the Chili Bowl after that, which is fantastic. Rolex 24. What do you know? We'll be in Daytona in no time, David. I mean, this is, uh, it's go time now. Now we're starting to get serious down to this uh, final stretch before Speed Weeks. Dude, they're fixing to drop the green flag real fast on, 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 on starting a new year. And, uh, you know, I'm working hard, hopefully have some news to announce, hopefully soon. I wish 
I had some yesterday to announce, but I don't. But, uh, but you know, just excited for, uh, you know, for the new year for everybody. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited about our podcast. You know, let's go racing with David Starr. We're going to, you know, here soon, we're going to bring on some really cool guests and, uh, you know, excited to uh, be able to uh, bring these guests on and talk more about racing and analyze the weekend's races. And uh, so, man, a lot of, a lot of cool stuff coming, you know, and everybody's excited about the new year and uh, I'm excited about the NASCAR season getting started and about our podcast guys, y'all have done a great job and, uh, and look forward to bringing on our, our cool guests. We're going to be having here soon. Yeah. Real quick too. I just want to give a shout out as well. I know we're six episodes in and it's a lot of fun, but this is not possible without the fans and everybody that listens in and watches this every week and tunes in. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you guys. Thank you to all our fans. Thank you to everybody that's giving feedback and, and listening along. We, we truly appreciate that. And gosh, guys, six episodes, it doesn't feel that fast. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a lot of fun doing this show, and we'll continue to do this show. Back on the normal schedule next week with a new episode coming out on Tuesday. We will see you then. As a reminder, as always, subscribe to Let's Go Racing with David Starr on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the video version on YouTube, Facebook.com, forward slash David Starr Podcast, Twitter at Star Podcast, and uh, we would certainly appreciate if you like and subscribe there. Got to drop the checkered flag on episode number six. We'll see you right back here next week for another edition of Let's Go Racing with David Starr. For David and Dominic Aragon, I'm Tyler Jones saying so long. We'll see you next week. Anticipation is building. The show is a